Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now on our seventh episode of 2024. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast. You know, last week, our first regional Fiber Connect workshop was held in Richmond, and it was our largest and most successful regional event to date. You know, we just had an amazing line of speakers, including Dr. Holmes, from the state broadband, you know, state broadband director of Virginia, Joey Winder from Treasury, and I got this uh, do a fireside chat with uh, former FCC chairman Ajit Pai. So it's an all-star lineup, and we can't wait to our next event. We'll be in Little Rock um, on April 16th. Then we'll be in Deer Valley in June, Des Moines in September, Albuquerque in November, and of course our big annual Fiber Connect 2024 conference will be in Nashville. July 28 to 31. So you're not going to want to miss any of those. That brings us today's Fiber for Breakfast session with Chip Pickering of Encompass, Quinn uh, Jordan of MSBA, and Adienka Ulagan, uh, the Education Superhighway, to discuss what happens to Mississippi without ACP. You know, last week on Fiber for Breakfast, our guest was Ned Brody, the founder and CEO of Actify and partner at Foundry.ai, who discussed an AI guide for broadband CXOs, what's real and what's hype. You know, Ned walked us through the different, between three different types of AI, natural language processing used in call centers to convert speech to text, generative AI such as ChatGPT, and what he believes to be the most useful form of AI, uh, prescriptive AI that can be used to solve business problems by predicting outcomes from inputs and recommending actions. So if you missed it, go to the FBA website to see the replay. This brings us to today's Fire for Breakfast session. As of February 8th, that was last week, the Affordability, Affordable Connectivity Program, ACP, the largest and most successful broadband adoption program in our nation, stopped accepting new en um, enrollments. Without additional funding from Congress, it is anticipated that April will be the last month. Currently enrolled households receive their full ACP benefit, and this is a national issue. But today we're going to be drilling down on the impact of the ACP wind down on broadband affordability in Mississippi in a session titled, What Happens to Mississippi Without ACP? With Chick, Chip Pickering of Encompass, Quinn Jordan of MSBA, and Adianka Oligan from Education Superhighway. Chip Pickering has been the CEO of Encompass since January 2014. Chip was also a six-term congressman representing Mississippi's third district. During his time in the House, he served on the Energy and Commerce Committee, where he was vice chairman from 2002 to 2006 and a member of the Telecommunications Subcommittee. Because of his role in drafting the 1996 Telecommunications Act, he has been well-known as a congressional leader on telecommunications issues. Uh, Adienka uh, Oligan, is the Vice President of Government Affairs and Policy at Education Superhighway, a national nonprofit with a mission to close the digital divide for the 17 million Americans 
that have access to the internet but not cannot afford to connect. Prior to joining the Education Superhighway, Adienka spent several years at Comcast where she was responsible for legislative advocacy and building partnerships with community-based organizations to close the digital divide. And my buddy, Quinn Jordan, is the executive director at the Mississippi Broadband Association and is an accomplished executive with a passion for bridging the digital divide and creating opportunities for all Mississippians. He has had successful careers in various sectors, telecommunications, private business, and governmental management. Quinn is committed to ensuring that every Mississippian has access to affordable high-speed broadband services. With that, welcome Chip, Adienka, and Quinn. And for audience, please type in your questions to go and work them into Q&A at the end. With that, let's get things started. I'll turn it over to Chip. Gary, thank you uh, for uh, inviting me to be uh, part of, uh, of, uh, of this morning and, and this very important discussion about the ACP program and what it means to a state like, like mine uh, in Mississippi. But you could also say, what does it mean for Kansas or Mo Montana, every state uh, in the country? Uh, and what I'd like to do is just kind of step back and how did we get here um, and what does it mean going forward? Uh, if ACP ends and this very Im important and critical component of our national commitment to bring broadband to every American, to every home, to close the digital divide and to give everyone the opportunities uh, and the services that are really critical uh, to every home, every family, every business, every community. Uh, ACP, the Affordable Connectivity Program, came out of the bipartisan infrastructure uh, bill that was passed in 2021. As we, uh, as a nation, came out of the pandemic, uh, this, this program actually uh, established and started uh, with the FCC uh, during the, the GPI uh, Commission and when he was chairman and the emergency broadband efforts to bring connectivity during the pandemic when everyone learned how essential uh, broadband services were to every home to keep schools, businesses, and everyone connected during that, that time. As we went into the congressional legislative process, there was, a, uh, there was a consensus that we needed to provide enough funding to meet the needs in unserved and underserved markets for the deployment uh, Gary, your companies, the companies that I represent and encompass, the competitive fiber companies, national, regional uh, fiber companies, uh, the, the companies you represent, the Fiber Broadband Association, there is a broad consensus that not only do we need the funding, the $42.5 billion that was authorized in the infrastructure bill and will soon be awarded state by state, so that our companies, incumbent and competitor alike, can build and deploy networks. But what about the affordability issues? So that for those uh, low-income households, whether they are a senior, a veteran, or a family uh, with children trying to be uh, connected for homework, for those who are seeking jobs, for those who need telemedicine, for the, uh, the veterans, and all of the different types of communities and, and families and populations across the country. The ACP has been tremendously successful. Over 23 million households have signed up. Uh, you know, it represents a, a, a significant percentage of all the people, not only in Mississippi, but around the country. 
And it allows our companies also, and it's, it's very important to, to note, not only does it help uh, families sign up and have connectivity, but it helps our companies that are building have the business model and the economic case to be able to deploy into rural parts of Mississippi, the rural parts of America, into those uh, hard to reach uh, places that are both remote and the low income communities and build not just a high income and mid income parts of the cities and towns and suburbs and rural parts of the country, but also to build everywhere into every community. So this is a, a critical uh, program. And as, as we face the cliff of, of having it turned off and, and stopped uh, this April, there are a number of uh, bipartisan leaders in Congress, House and Senate, that are trying to extend the program and find the resources to implement any reforms that would allow us to continue this, this vitally important program, but also one that is very critical to connecting every American, every home, both in places like Mississippi and around the country. And with that, I'm going to turn it over uh, back to you, Gary. Uh, I'm glad you're, you're giving us an opportunity to have this conversation. I look forward to my friend Quinn and, and Eddie Anka, what, what, what they have to say. Thanks, Chip. And Anka, can you walk us through what's actually going on in Mississippi? Sure, absolutely. Um, at Education Superhighway, everything that we do is founded in data. So especially when we talk about the Affordable Connectivity Program and what it means, not only nationally, but um, in our state partners like Mississippi. So David, if you could advance to the next slide, please. So $14.2 billion was allocated, as Chip said, um, to get the Affordable Connectivity Program as a transition from the emergency broadband benefit. Really, this was the first time in our nation's history that money was allocated to address affordability. Up until that point, the digital divide had really just been considered an access issue. But at this point, we had um, a mechanism to really lean into the affordability aspect and get under-resourced households um, in all parts of our country connected to the internet. Um, our estimates are that 51.6 million households across the country are eligible for the Affordable Connectivity Program. Um, right now, there are about 43% of those households that are actually enrolled and receiving the benefit up until enrollment paused last week on the 8th. But why is affordability, addressing affordability, such a key issue? Um, as we all know, the digital divide and digital equity in general, there are three key barriers. The first one being connectivity. If you are not connected to the internet, you can't even begin to have the conversation about what it means to participate um, in virtual learning, remote, remote education, um, even remote working, as well as telehealth and all the other um, things that the internet provides. And we saw that in great detail during the pandemic. Um, the other barrier is equipment. I mean, if you're not connected, having a device, as we sent home many students with Chromebooks to participate in virtual learning without connectivity, um, having a device at home means nothing. And then ultimately digital literacy, as Chip mentioned, we want people to participate um, in all of the opportunity that our country has to offer. And that starts with making sure that all three of these barriers are addressed. So finally with the ACP, we had a critical tool to close the digital divide and really tackle um, the issue of affordability. In the state of Mississippi, um, we know that almost uh, 1.1 million households are, um, live in the state of Mississippi. More than half of them are eligible for the ACP. And we also really drill down in what it means to be an unconnected household, meaning that they have access where they live, but affordability is keeping them offline. Over 452,000 households in Mississippi are unconnected. 
and that's a significant um, chunk of the households that are eligible for the ACP. Right now, only 40% of those households are connected to and enrolled in the program. But even that 40% pretty much tracks with the national average of 43% of households that are enrolled. So we see that not only is there demand, but people are enrolling in the program as awareness grew, as there was money rolled out to by the FCC with their grant programs, as local organizations got involved in supporting folks with enrollment, enrollment picked up. And we are at this point now where um, more than half of the people who qualify for the program are taking advantage of it nationwide. But 234,000 households in Mississippi are in jeopardy of having their connectivity either completely interrupted or seeing um, their internet service bills go up depending on how they are leveraging the benefit. We were really in a critical place where we were trying to get that other 361,000 households enrolled in the program to really tackle the challenge of affordability in Mississippi, really leaning into community-based partnerships, working with school districts, working with providers to really make sure that we were doing our best to not only raise awareness about the program, but tap into the trusted partners that were doing the on-the-ground work to drive adoption. And with the ACP now paused with enrollment and funding in jeopardy. Not only are those 234,000 households um, at risk, but also the um, future connectivity for the remaining eligible households is also in jeopardy. But what does it look like on the ground? Like, who are these people? Who are these households that are taking advantage of the program? Our data shows us that over um, 28,000 of them are veterans' households. That's how they are eligible for the program and participating. Um, 122,000 of them live in rural parts of the state. Um, we also know that 72,000 of them are seniors. These are critical communities um, that we know rely on internet access for so many things in terms of access to healthcare, running their businesses, keeping their children educated, um, and accessing all the resources that the internet provides all of us. So these are this is what the numbers break down to in terms of who's impacted, who's currently taking advantage of the benefit, and um, whose connectivity status um, is in jeopardy. Gary, right, well, I'll turn over to Quinn. You can, with the, you're on the ground there in Mississippi. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, you know, I want to first say thank you to Chip and, and Inca um, for what they're doing nationally and also in Mississippi. They've just been great partners. And Gary, to you as well, just um, being a sister organization to MSBA has been a both an honor and a privilege to work with you to to make to overcome these obstacles and these barriers. <laughs> I think, you know, I think we need to tell a story. I think we need to tell the story, the Mississippi story a little bit. And the way we do that is we take a local ISP. So we have an ISP in the Mississippi Delta, um, Belzona Cable. They're they are a fiber growth company. Um, they were legacy cable moving into the fiber industry. But 25% of their networks participate in the ACP program. So what happens to, you know, ISPs and groups like that that are going to substantially lose a large portion of their of their subscribers but also as chip mentioned earlier how do they look at expansion you know if we're going to look at, at covering mississippi in these rural areas because that's going to be the challenge with bead is in where we're going to invest is those areas that it just does not make financial um, sense without some type of injection of funds how do we ask these isps to go into um, rural Mississippi or just and then you can just take out Mississippi and just say rural America um, without being able to sustain these networks and unfortunately there's a parallel between the, those expansion in rural areas with also um, the ability for those individuals to afford and so you know there 
there's just this balance here and impact that ACP is going to have on both sustainability of existing networks and the interest to expand. And so I think we have to tell that story first before we kind of move into the call to action. You know, the time to talk is over. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about this, we've met. Um, now we're, we're in the wind down. Um, we're in the wind down of one of the most successful programs that has allowed people not just to sustain their lifestyle, but to build and to improve their lifestyle. Without connectivity, these individuals will not have access to the digital economy or the services that they afford. So what are we, what are we asking and what are we, what are we encouraging um, people to do, not only in Mississippi, but around the nation, is uh, we've got to continue to push on Congress um, over the next, um, I'm going to say the next two weeks, 30 days at the most, to find a way to fund this program. Um, there is, has been a bill that, was, that has dropped uh, by Representative um, Clark out of New York, introduced that $7 billion allocation um, bill that was also, it was, it was introduced in the House and in the Senate um, in, a, in a bipartisan, hopefully bicameral solution um, for the program. But what's, what's going on on the Hill? Um, what are other things that we can do to, to get toward these individuals? I know Chip runs the Pineapple Group and does a great job with them and, and their advocacy on the Hill. There's also an ABC coalition. Um, and again, I would encourage you to look out to these groups and join these groups because they're streaked in numbers. Um, one of the things that you can learn about the ABC group is um, go to do not disconnect us.org and learn more about what the what they're doing at the national level to encourage this bipartisan bicameral support of expanding and I mean it's not expanding but funding ACP through the end of 24. But unfortunately, uh, ACP um, has some challenges. And so I know that there's some talk on the Hill about some reform and recommendations. So at this point, Gary, I'd love to open it up to questions um, from you, as well as the audience about not only what's happening in the introduction, what's going on with the numbers, but also what the call to action is here in Mississippi and around the nation. Well, thanks, Quinn. You know, last summer in June, the FCC reported that 20% of Mississippi did not have high-speed broadband access. So that's a pretty big number. And I think, Adianka, you said um, nearly half or half of Mississippi qualifies for ACP, which are huge numbers. Um, according to uh, a recent Cartesian study, um, it says that, you know, well, Mississippi's, their BEAT funding is $1.2 billion. You're going to have a $434 million match. So you're going to have $1.6 billion. And the Cartesian study said that Mississippi can deploy fiber to 100%, 100% of the BEAT eligible locations and have $366 million left over for BEAT eligible expenses, such as workforce development, affordability. You know, how should Mississippi be prioritizing this $366 million from BEAT? Well, one of the first things is workforce. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you install the biggest um, infrastructure bill um, that's, that's probably ever been introduced. This also, as we know, a workforce bill without workers. And so I think we need to be proactive as a state to really invest in workforce and workforce development. You know, Mississippi's biggest asset is our people. I mean, I think once you once you educate and train our people, we're hardworking. Um, loyal individuals that really want to see and buy into a culture. Um, and so if we can, you know, invest in that workforce side, in my opinion, 
Um, that's how we change Mississippi. That's how we change not, not only the individual's um, lifestyle, but also their quality of life and being able to provide. You know, we live in the times where interest rates are high as they've been in a long time, of course, not nationally uh, high historically, but they, they are high for the last decade or so, but also inflation. Um, and, you know, it just costs so much to feed a family. And if we can, in, if we can equip these um, individuals to better their social economic conditions by training them to be a better um, uh, employee, but also a better citizen. I mean, you know, just giving them the tools and access to the tools to workforce development, in my opinion, is one of the biggest things they can inject that money in. So, Chip, being a former six-time congressman, you kind of know how it works up there on the Hill. Um, it, I'm kind of flabbergasted. I mean, it seems like the current theme on the Hill is this brinkmanship, this this wait to the last the 11th hour to fund the government, this wait, you know, so we're... So, Waiting doesn't seem to be very good for something like ACP, but do you do you feel like the FCC is um, kind of weak in their argument that hey we have no money? I mean, the Congress did appropriate 20.4 billion dollars for ARDOF. They spent about seven billion dollars, and they came back to Jessica and said, hey, you got 13 billion dollars, and she says, well, no, not really, because we didn't ever collect that from USAC for from USF. I mean. Can't we just keep this thing funded from what was appropriate? You know, um, everyone has been desperately looking for how to fund this any way that we can find, either through the FCC existing funds or through congressional action. There's consensus that Congress uh, must act for this program to continue. And just kind of uh, stepping back a, a little bit, as, as we've discussed this, one thing to think about and for our policy and congressional leader, policymakers and congressional leaders to think about, Medicaid, as they connect uh, through telehealth and are providing uh, critical healthcare services, what we've discovered is that through connectivity, we actually reduce the cost and improve the outcomes and healthcare into whether it's rural hospitals and rural communities and individuals. The VA hospitals and uh, has also learned the same thing, that telehealth and telemedicine and connectivity give uh, veterans and senior populations much better outcomes and saves the VA uh, money. If we look in the educational and the workforce, the community colleges, uh, the, the connectivity makes everything more effective. And then the economic opportunities and growth that comes through uh, having more of our small businesses, our farms, our, our, our homes where people are working from home connected has a tremendous economic uh, benefit. So not only do federal programs and state programs save money through connectivity, but our economy grows as a result of connectivity. And so this program enjoys broad, broad bipartisan support. As we watch Congress struggle to get anything through right now, big things to small things, I'm hoping that the bipartisan nature of broadband connectivity and deployment, affordability and accessibility is one thing that will allow a solution to be uh, reached and then congressional action to fund it before it's too late. Uh, the bead money, the 42 and a half billion is about to go out 
it needs to be paired with and combined with the affordability for it to be completely effective. And if you lose one component of it, it damages the other side of it. Again, it, this is a smart thing to do from a fiscal, as a conservative, as a Republican, as a rural state, this is the fiscally responsible thing to do. And it helps us achieve the national commitment of connecting uh, every American. And, and we see in Mississippi, how large of our people are affected by this. And so this is just really, really important that we find a way to do it. It's not for the lack of support, it's just a lack of action that is keeping us from achieving the last steps of connecting every American. Well, certainly to your point, Don Chip, is it is bipartisan on the, the recipients of ACP. Um, it looks like that there's 11.7 million Democrats that are receiving the benefit and 10.7 million Republicans. So um, it's pretty evenly split on who's receiving the benefit. Eddie Inca, can you yeah. tell us, I mean, as Chip said, this is a huge investment in people. And this, you know, this will actually um, relieve the pressure on the budget if we are able to pull all these ACP recipients out of low income and be able to become productive members of society, be able to have better opportunities for job, healthcare, education. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, there have been several studies published looking at what the benefits of home internet access provides. And um, there is one study that actually shows that home internet increases the annual income of an under-resourced household by about $2,200. So if you talk about like the economics of what internet means, not only for Mississippians, but under-resourced households across the country, it is it could be very game-changing for a household. I think a lot of the conversation, especially in the middle of the pandemic, was about remote learning for students, K-12, making sure that they could participate um, in the classroom. But overall, in general, we know that internet access creates opportunity for jobs. It creates opportunity for higher education for adult learners. Um, as Chip already alluded to, telehealth, it brings down healthcare costs. So there is a real monetary um, value associated not only with the program and the benefit that it provides households, but in the overall economic benefit, benefit to households, communities, states, and the nation. And we have made this down payment on the connectivity future of our country, but this is a critical piece of it, making sure that people can get connected to the networks that we're trying to build and that we also lift every household um, to the point where they can also participate fully in our society. Well, you know, one of the questions, there's tons of questions and a lot of support for everything you guys are saying. Um, it sounds like our audience is uh, strong believers in how important ACP is to the future of our nation. But you know, one of the questions is, is there any chance that we're going to get this funding? And uh, I know FBA stands behind um, Senators Vance, um, Welsh, Rosen, Kramer, and Representatives Clark and Fitzpatrick on the Affordable, Affordable Connectivity Program Extension, which is $7 billion to get is funded through the end of the year. Um, what do you guys, I mean, are we going to see this legislation get through and what's the timing? And Well, what, I, what I'd like to wrap up on that is, is that, you know, we're in a, we're in a kind of a stage in Congress right now and that where we're looking for being physically responsible, but also making sure that we're meeting those needs. And so I know there's some, there's some talk on the Hill about some possible reform um, to the program to be included in that $7 billion, um, kind of reducing it and, and getting it more in line with Lifeline, the Lifeline program, removing that $100 device and then 
also um, some uh, one of the blanket qualifiers on free and reduced lunch. Um, again, it does not remove anything or, or take away um, from the, the the program other than finding a way to get some bipartisan um, cooperation to get this over the hump, you know, because I mean, and Chip, I know you would speak to this way better than me, so I'm going to yield the floor over to you as, as you would normally hear, but um, talk a little bit about that and why this this reform could help this this bill get over the hump. Well, as as we look at the seven billion dollars, there there are some concerns with the program, and then how do, how is how does it become sustainable for the long term, not just in the present crisis, but long term. And so those types of reforms that can can help us uh, make the program uh, both from a fiscal point of view more sustainable. Uh, and more targeted uh, to the population that needs it most, we would support whatever reform allows us to move forward and sustain and, and to get the critical uh, funds needed to continue and to be tied with the big deployment funding that is coming out around the country later this year. Senator Wicker, uh, as we talk about Mississippi, has been a great champion uh, for broadband uh, throughout the country and in Mississippi and for rural America. Uh, he supported the infrastructure uh, bill, Congressman Thompson uh, in, in, the, in the House. There's a bipartisan commitment of trying to find solutions here and whatever reforms can make it possible to get the support and the action in Congress for the time that we have left. Look, Congress is struggling with everything right now to get funded. I think if if they ever break free on the big things, something like ACP can find a home somewhere and one of the bills moving. And if reforms help make that possible, we, can, we couldn't be more supportive. And as Quinn mentioned, we have large coalitions. The broadband industry from the incumbents to the competitors, from rural, from small companies to big companies that are uh, deploying uh, internet services around the country, all support this. Consumer groups, uh, education groups, uh, every uh, uh, type of organization around the country supports this. There's really no, no opposition. We just need to find a way to get it done and to move as quickly as possible before it's too late to lose this very important component of connecting every American. Well, Chip and Edianka and Quinn, really appreciate you guys sharing your thoughts, insights, and expertise on such an important national issue. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today and look forward to get back together next Wednesday. We'll be speaking with Kevin Sheehan from Siena to discuss how different types of services like video streaming and AR use networks. You're not going to want to miss that. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and hopefully we'll get some action on this.